We bring greetings from St. Mark's Church family. We bless you. We love you. Isn't it brilliant to have a heart for Dublin? Isn't it brilliant to have a heart for this island and to be seeing what's happening in other churches and being inspired by you? And the news about the new building, how good is that? <laughs> Amazing. Just blown away. And as I say, you're such an inspiration to us on so many levels. I absolutely love getting with Sean and love hanging out with you guys whenever I get the opportunity. Uh, we're going to go into uh, God's Word. And uh, the, the theme that I have for today, or the title I have for today, uh, is Glory Hunters. And uh, I don't know about you, but it feels like we're in a social media mad world where we're surrounded by glory hunters. Uh, and I say that in love, and I don't say that in judgment. Uh, a lot of that could refer to myself and what I put up on social media in regard to my own life. Uh, I'm, I'm mad for football. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, we used to call the people who would never pass the ball glory hunters. Can anyone remember those days? Uh, I don't know if, even know if that's a phrase these days for young people. Uh, but Edward's going to bring up uh, some famous faces here for us here. Uh, and, and you can decide among yourselves who you think function in a manner where they seek the glory of their team or where they seek the glory for themselves. I'm not going to say anything because I love every one of them in the Lord. But, but, but here we have Harry Kane, we have Cristiano Ronaldo, we have Lionel Messi and we have Mo Salah. And you see this temptation even in what we watch and what we love in certain players. We can nearly tell the players that we consider to be givers, givers of themselves for the team and to the team. And then people who we kind of go, are they just in it for themselves or are they in it for the team? And, and this is a challenge in life, isn't it? This is a massive challenge that we have. What I found interesting was when I went to the Urban Dictionary and I was looking up the definition of glory hunters, it had nothing to say about footballers, but it had loads to say about fans of sport. Glory hunters. And it said glory hunters are people who support only the most successful teams and never just stick with one team. They have little knowledge of the club's true history and they've never been to a game. But they overuse the phrases to make us believe that they are truly with the team they're presently supporting. Uh, and then, bizarrely, it had this line, and this is in the Urban Dictionary, I'm not making this up, it said, currently, the greatest glory hunters are Manchester United, Barcelona, and AC Milan fans who mainly live in the United States. <laughs> there, there you go. Urban Dictionary, who knew? Today, I want us to be reminded of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, and he wants us to be enamored by his glory. As John said in the time of giving and stirring people to give of their skills and their money, he said, Moses didn't come down the mountain saying, look at me. And that's a key to what has been expressed here today by the Lord. He wants us to see that God's glory is all the glory we will ever need. If you want to hunt for glory, hunt for his glory. You don't have to hunt for your own glory if you're a glory hunter. His glory given to us is more glory than we could ever receive, even by living the best life in the best house, with the best car, with the best hairdo, with the best clothes. Whatever it is, his glory still surpasses all of the greatest glory that we could ever hope to achieve or seek in our lives. 
we're going to be looking at John chapter 17. And what I would say to you is that when you're in John chapter 17, leave the whole of the chapter open because there's a few verses that we're going to read and go to now that are the kind of the main hub of the message. But we will hop in and out of different aspects of John 17. So if you have your Bibles, open them on John 17. And if you have your apps, open them on John 17. So let's go. So we're reading from verse 20 of John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. Get this. So Jesus, he's getting ready. He's preparing himself. He's going to be going to the garden of Gethsemane. He's going to be coming to a time of sweat and blood, preparing himself for all the horror of the cross. And he's taking time to pray for his disciples and pray for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Again, John spoke about the importance of unity, and that unity leads to us being a generous community, just to quote your John there. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you've sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word in Jesus' mighty name. So we've referenced the world of social media, the world that says, look at me, give me glory, give me all the attention, focus on me. And we are all tempted to display the glorious life, the life without any bumps or bruises. Uh, so whenever we are putting something on social media, we never show the bumps and bruises. We show the glory and the greatness and the lightness and the big smiles. But a great question to ask ourselves here in Open Arms Dublin this very day is, whose glory are we truly seeking in the living of our lives? Whose glory are we seeking in ministry? Whose glory do we seek in the building up of a great church? It's so tempting when you're working for organizations and for churches. So for me, it's St. Mark's and it's Christian Churches Ireland. And, and, and it's so tempting to kind of be feeding into the expansion of a brand or a name or a title. But the only name that we're meant to be glorying in and pointing people to is Jesus Christ. And, and what I love about your leaders and what I love about spending time with Pastor Sean and Gillian is that they have such humility and that everything that they're seeking to do is advance the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and to give him all the glory. So all we're trying to do today is to come in under the leadership of this church and our heart for every single person in this place. Whose glory do we seek in open arms, Dublin and Newbridge? Jesus' glory. Whose glory do we seek in our lives? Jesus' glory. And to really make this the benchmark of our souls and the condition of our souls. At the start of chapter 17, for those who have their Bibles open on their laps, you'll see in verse 1 that he starts off referencing the glory of the cross. Jesus says in verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Well, what's that about? Well, that's about the death on the cross, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The hour has come, laying down his life, trading his glory for our shame. Oh, wow, what a line. That the Lord would take our shame so we would be able to inhabit and enter into his glory. Wow. That 
That's absolutely powerful. Laying down his life. We now get to enter into the glory of Jesus Christ and all that's gloryful and glorified about the, God, the Godhead. Laying down our lives brings glory to God. At the very start of this service, before you guys arrived, Alan was here doing a great job rallying the troops, encouraging them and blessing them and praying before the start of the day, before the start of the services. And what was so beautiful was that he was thanking those who lay down their lives. And when we lay down our lives, we all enjoy the glory of God. All the worship team here, we were entering into the glory of praise. Why? Because there's people up here that lay down their lives. Johnny has traveled from up north to be here today. And he lays down his life that we could enter into the glory of his praise. Laying down our lives helps others to enter into the glory of God. And then Jesus continued in verse 4 of John 17. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work he gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus finished a glorious, wondrous work. And he came to finish a glorious, wondrous work. And when we finish the work that God put us on earth to do, it is glorious. And when we finish well and finish strong, it brings glory to God. Everything that we do and everything that we seek to do should be from the understanding, how can I bring glory to God? So finishing strong and finishing well and completely laying down our lives all the time for whatever God calls us to do is seeking to bring glory to God. When we live a life that says, I'll do what I like, I will do what I like, I'll do it when I like, that doesn't bring glory to God. Amen. That's called a selfish life. Amen. And none of us are called to a selfish life. We're called to a life that is laid down to bring glory to God. Well, now, you know, I'm not going to be brought into any church to be manipulated by anyone. I will do my own thing. There's nothing in this church but invitation to come. And when we commit ourselves or connect ourselves with a church, it's so brilliant to attend and it's so brilliant to be a part of it and it's so brilliant to encourage and to give and to bless. But at some stage, the Lord might ask you to join the ranks of the serving. And when he does call you, do it in such a way that it seeks to bring glory to God. In Jesus' mighty name. Then we go down a little bit further into chapter 17 of John. And Jesus looks at the glory of being his disciple, being a follower of Christ, that their lives would bring the Father glory. And in verse 8, Jesus says, For Lord, I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you've given me. Isn't that amazing? I'm praying for those you've given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. Incredible, guys. Glory has come to me through them. Through my followers, glory comes to me. Lord, are you sure that glory doesn't come to you through the most amazing violinist in an orchestra? Does, does maybe glory come to you through the best politician? Does glory not come to you through the person on social media who has the most followers? How can glory come through my simple life? Because those who follow Jesus and lay their lives down for Jesus bring glory to God. 
It's the way it was then in John 17. It's the way it is now. It's the exact same. And we sometimes think that our lives are failures or kind of shadows of what we could be. Or we could be on a mountaintop. We could be in Hollywood. We could be at the top of politics. We could be at the top of business. And Jesus says, if you're serving at the foot of the cross, you're more glorious than any of them. More glorious. You're bringing me glory in what you are doing. Think about this. Wouldn't it be amazing to hear Jesus say about us, glory came to me through them. Glory came to me through Open Arms Dublin. Glory came to me through Open Arms Newbridge. What an amazing concept. Jesus said, glory has come to me through them. Hadn't they come a long way, these disciples, from their times of infighting? They're following Jesus on the path to dusty roads, and Jesus is turning back, and what are they arguing about? Who's the best? Who should wear the number nine jersey? Who should be putting the goals in the back of the net? I'm the, I'm the best player, Jesus. I'm the best follower. No, I'm the best follower. And then to add insult and to injury, one of them had their ma go up to Jesus. Jesus, when you go into your glory, will you give my children one at the right and one on the left? They're amazing sons. They're brilliant. They'll never let you down. Self-promoting her sons for seats of glory. I think she was an Irish mammy. <laughs> I, I think she was an Irish mammy, to be honest with you. <laughs> Haven't they come such a long way from infighting fighting each other, seeking personal glory, to now their lives bringing glory to Jesus. Wouldn't that be a fantastic journey for us to be on and to go on? And then in our scripture today, we see the glory of, of the spreading gospel. As Jesus prays for those who will come to faith because of the apostles' message, through their sharing of the gospel, through their writing and through their teaching, Jesus is pointing to the glory of an advancing kingdom. The glory of people being transferred from darkness into light, from death to life, from lostness to foundness. Do you still find that glorious and exciting? Because if you don't, it would be brilliant for you to ask God to shake up your heart again. The enemy wants to distract your heart that you would seek other things and find them more glorious than seeking after that which is broken and lost and hurting and needy. And the enemy will always tempt us towards the more glorious life that when we pursue it leaves us empty and we're unfulfilled. It's like, why is this so empty? I thought this was glorious. It looks amazing on the catalogue. But the catalogue isn't like the Bible. And when we seek that which God has us to seek, stuff that God considers treasure, when we seek that sort of treasure, then we have the fulfilled life. Then we go, oh, wow, okay, I get this now. This is so much more glorious than whatever I would have been seeking for myself. So we're going to give glory. Edward, where are you going on me, brother? We're going to give glory. And in a world of glory hunters, we are going to be glory givers. And we are going to be glory seekers for the King of Kings. We see the Father in John 17 giving glory to Jesus. And we see Jesus giving glory to his disciples. And we see the disciples being readied to spread the glorious gospel. Giving all glory to God and taking no glory for themselves because that would be an anathema. We are here not to be glory hunters for ourselves. We're here to be glory hunters for the Lord. We're here not to be glory keepers for ourselves, where we seek to keep glory for ourselves, but we're here to keep the gospel glorious in the days that we live in. We are to be glory givers, giving all praise and all glory to God. I have given them the glory that you 
gave me that they may be one as we are one. In them, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Glory to God. So how do we become glory givers? And I've just a few little points for you. And Edward's going to put up the first one here. The first one is that we seek glory. And we seek glory by seeking unity. Unity is glorious to the Lord. For where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, there the Lord hello, commands, commands his blessing. Unity is so glorious that God cannot do anything but command blessing where he sees unity. It so represents him. It so expresses him. It expresses him when we have unity in our marriage. God blesses our marriages because it displays the, the unity between the groom and the bride, the church and Jesus. When we have unity, one with the other, brothers and sisters from all different social strata, backgrounds, countries, nations, cultures, when we are in union, when we are in unity, it is so glorious that God looks at it, sees the image of himself, three in one, the unity of the Godhead, says, that's just, that's just us right there. He commands his blessing. He commands his blessing. And this is why we seek unity, because it is glorious. We become glory givers and we seek the glory of God when we passionately and resolutely fight for and defend unity. Can I say a quick little sentence? Glory hunters destroy unity. People who seek glory for themselves, people who seek platform for themselves, when are they going to see my gift and give me a platform? When are they going to use me? I should be up there. I'd be doing a better job than your man, Sean Malarkey. You know, when we, when we, seek, when we seek glory, when we seek to push for our glory, glory hunters destroy unity. There's something about the body of Christ and the way God raises up people in time and the spirit of God moving and stirring and God shifting things at various stages and us being open to the moving of the Spirit and being led by the leaders that we believe God has placed in our churches. God wants us to be a people who, who lead in a way that we're not seeking self-glory as well and we're all the time giving glory to God and glory to our teams and blessing and blessing and blessing. Don't be an Absalom. Don't be a someone that comes into a house seeking just to build your own house because God won't bless that. God blesses unity, unity with God first, unity with God foremostly. Being in ultimate union with the Father is the greatest unity that we could seek. I pray in Jesus' name that you are one with God today. You might be here visiting today and, and you're not one with God in your heart. What an opportunity to ask God to come into your heart, to repent, to come into union with Jesus. That's, that's the best. That could be the best thing that you hear today. And then unity with each other. Unity is that which helps the world see that we're serious about Jesus and that we've taken Jesus seriously. Unity is so powerful. I pray for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And then remarkably, he says in verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Did you catch that? God's glory was given for unity. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. God's glory was given so we would be one. 
God gave away his glory. God gave away his glorious one, Jesus. His crown, Jesus, was given so that we could be one. Is there anything in your heart that you've brought into this house today that's a bit full of aggro, that's a bit full of upset, that's maybe a bit all over the shop? What the Holy Spirit would love you to do before you leave is if you need to talk to someone or if you need to get it off your chest or you need to confess to go to someone that you trust or maybe someone that's related to and talk. We're in God's house. And in the spirit of love and grace, we can talk things out. We can get back on track and we can make things glorious once again in our relationship with whomever we're offended by or upset with. Glory was given for unity. And then we see also in what we've just seen in the scripture that it brings glory to God when we are in unity. The opposite of glory is shame. It's the opposite of glory. And it's a crying shame against the glory of God in his house when we are a house divided and in disunity. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may know union, oneness, unity. This is why the glory of God was given to the church. In the garden, Adam and Eve enjoyed undisturbed unity with the Godhead. They, they walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. They had an incredible communion, union, unity with the Father. They had an incredible unity with each other. They had it all until what? Through temptation, they sought self-glory. If you take the fruits... You will be like God. You. You will be. They were already like God. They were made in the image of God, which is the farce of it all. And so, them, oh gosh, I could get some of this kind of self-glory pie. But we were made to worship God and to give him glory. And that's how we enter and stay in his glory. When we seek glory ourselves, we become banished from all of the great stuff that God has from us. Now, I know in the sense of the blood of Christ and the closeness that we have and we stumble and we're still in the presence of God and he will never leave or forsake. But you understand that we put stumbling blocks in the way from all that God has for us, all that God wants for us to enjoy. It's nearly, it's nearly we self-sabotage ourselves from enjoying his glory when we seek self-glory. What a challenging word that is in this day and age. What breaks your union with God? What, what takes your understanding of the closeness of God away from you at times where you feel like an orphan or you speak like an orphan is it self-pity is it when you ask God for something and he doesn't reply instantly or you ask God for something and he doesn't give it to you because he's God and and we're not what is it that that causes you to go around with a head on you like God has taken your sweets when, when, we, when we get to the hope of those things and when we get to the root of those things, it helps us to keep our union with God strong and glorious. And they're really important things to ask. Lord, why, why are you disturbed on my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Why am I so downcast on my soul? What a brilliant question. I love, I love David. We just say that as a statement. We say it as a perfect statement. Why are you downcast on my soul? David wanted to know. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? He wanted to know what was in the way between himself and the glorious friendship and relationship he had with God. So what a brilliant question to ask. 
If you know your union with God feels far from glorious today, what a brilliant question to ask him on the way home. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? May the Lord give us the answer and may we be willing to hear what the Spirit has to say. We were made not just to know God, but to be one with him. We were made for union with God. And we're not happy until we know union with God. And we're happiest when our union with God is glorious. Seeking to glory in Christ and to glorify the Christ in our lives is what will keep us in that glorious union. To the young people in this place, please give the glory of your youth to Jesus. Give the glory of your energy and your ideas and your creativity. Don't give away your glory. The glory of, of all that God has put in you for days such as this. God loves to see the glory of his name and his renown coming through the use of you and your gifts. So the first point is that we, we seek unity and that brings glory to God. The second one is that we, we love that we love glory. People who truly seek his glory are people who love deeply and who love unconditionally. We seek the glory of God and we passionately and resolutely love each other as if our lives and our reputation depended upon it. They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. Glory hunters just love themselves. Glory hunters are narcissistic. Amen. Oh, may the Lord deliver us from narcissism. Did I put too many S's in there? <laughs> narcissism. May the Lord deliver us from that big word. <laughs> the glory of God is love. If you don't like loving, you're in the wrong house. The house of God is built on love. The house of God is for love. We live to love. We love to live. Everything is all around Love and the glory of God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his glory away. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only beloved son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave away his glory. Why? For love. For the glory of love, as the old 80s psalm used to say. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This concept of the Father loving us the same way he loves Jesus. And there's people sitting here that don't believe that they deserve that kind of love. And I'm telling you, that's a lie of the enemy. God the Father wants you to receive and believe that you have the same access, the same love that Jesus felt from the Father. You were as loved by God, as the Father loved Jesus. How powerful is that to know? Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. Just, just even that concept, that loving statement. I long for them to be with me where I am. We, we, we a lot of times, we love our space. And space is good and rest is good. And getting a bit of headspace is really, really good at times. But we hear a longing in Jesus here. I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. Can you hear his love for you? His longing. Sometimes I stand up in church on a Sunday and I'm looking at my week that's gone by and I'm thinking of the amount of times Jesus was saying, come away with me, Sean. I want to spend time with you. Where I closed the door on Jesus' face. Or where I said, Jesus, I'm too busy. 
Or Jesus, I've got so much going on for your kingdom. I'm keeping working here. And Jesus just wanted to be with me where I was. And I didn't enter into that glory. I pursued something trivial, something of self-importance. When God was saying, I long for you to be with me where I am, that you may see my glory. The glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Can you see the glory of Jesus' love? Can you see it? I want those you've given me to be with me where I am. We live the glorious life when we seek unity, when we love deeply. And then the last point, when we seek to make him known. The glory comes on a house and the glory of God is expressed to a house that seeks to make him known. Not our brand known, not our church known, but seeks to make Jesus known. Personal fame and personal glory is like a filthy rag compared to him being glorified in the midst of us. We seek the glory of God when we passionately and resolutely seek to lay down our desire for self-glory and worldly acceptance and we seek to make Jesus famous and make Jesus known. And everything that we have and everything that we do is because of Jesus. We understand that we are gifted and skilled simply because Jesus gave us those gifts and skills. We realize that we're living in such a day as this because Jesus ordained that we would have our life and our being in this day and in this season. We seek to make him famous. We pass the ball to Jesus. He's the one that we want to get all the glory. We share the good news of the gospel whenever we get an, an opportunity at an opportune time, not at an inopportune time and not at a time that it's just not appropriate but we always seek to make him known and to share the good news of the gospel verse 25 said righteous father though the world does not know you I know you and they know that you have sent me I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them how sad is the statement father the world does not know you why does the world not know him? When you look at creation, when you look at the beauty of the image of God that's all around this room, when you look at all that he has put in place in the heavens and the cosmos, when you see the word of God, when you see churches like open arms, how does the world not know him? Because it's full of glory hunters. And one of the hardest things to lay down is the pursuit of self-glory. Self-importance. Self-purpose. What will I be remembered for? When I pass, will there be a statue built to my name? Here stood Sean Malarkey once. What, what will we leave behind? And bizarrely, the greatest thing that we can leave behind is that which points to the glorious one. The glorious king who will actually never forget his own and never lose those that the father has given him. Let's make sure that the church is not full of glory hunters, but glory givers. And if we do seek to be glory hunters, that we hunt for the glory of God in everything that we do. Let's make him known in Dublin. Let's make him known throughout this whole island. We will know glory when the glorious one is known through the highways and the byways of this great city. We all need to remember how glorious it was at first to become a child of God. 
the Spirit himself testifies, Romans 8, with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Thank you, Jesus. What about the last part of Romans 8? For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Those he justified, he, he glorified. Isn't it bizarre that the glory you seek can only be found in him? Those he justified, he glorified and so our last slide I pray brothers and sisters that you will see the glory of God in your lifetime and you will see the glory of God in your lifetime when you seek to bring glory to Jesus through your life time father I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory here's scripture that we throw out from time to time and do we truly believe it Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of God rises upon you. The New Living Translation says, arise, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. I want you, I want those you've given me, Father, to see my glory. Someday we will, in all of its fullness, see the glory of God, but until that day, can you see the glory that could be yours now in Jesus Christ. The glory of a church in intimate unity and intimate union with Jesus. The glory of a church full of genuine love. The glory of a church that earnestly seeks to reach the lost and make Jesus known. And the glory of a church that longs just to see the glory of Jesus all the time, every day, in every manner of means. The glory of a church with no glory hunters of self, but glory givers to Jesus all day long. A glory that seeks God's glory and lays down our fleshly glory hunting. Imagine a church like that, giving glory and praise to God all day long. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible and I'm going to give it to you for free today. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit.